Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. So some of the things you want to look for if you're in a toxic relationship or a love addict, you ruminate and obsess about this person all the time. You know, healthy relationships feel safe and secure, but in a toxic relationship, you're just, you're just constantly overly focused on the outside and you're focused on this person. You want to spend every minute with them. You obsess about the time when it will happen again. And like you said earlier, you twist your personality and your values to please them. You make them the center of your universe and the thing that you ruminate about daily. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we are joined by a new friend of mine. Her name is Sherry Gaba, and she is a licensed psychotherapist and life coach, and she helps other people with codependency, addiction, toxic relationships, and mental health issues. Um, She has been on all kinds of shows. We were just talking about the fact that she was on VH1 Celebrity Rehab, which is a show I watched way back in the day with Dr. Drew. So, um, but you've also seen her on Inside Edition, CNN, E! News, Access Live, you know, you name them. She's been on there. She has her own podcast called The Love Fix, which is the name I think is perfect for a podcast and for someone who helps people as she does. And she also has her own book called Love Smacked. And I'll have links to everything in the um, in the show notes. But first, let me just say thank you, Sherry, for joining me today. Gosh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for what you're doing in the world. It's it's really fascinating, you know, to, to be on a divorce podcast. I love it. I mean, it's also related on so many levels. Well, our relationships yeah, certainly drive our divorce, but the one of the main reasons why this the I uh, the topic of love addiction 
And toxic relationships really jumped out to me. And really why I I was so excited to have you come on and join us is because these, you know, I'm very focused on divorce and beyond the life beyond our divorce, because people tend to get so focused on their divorce, but often they tend to just repeat those patterns in their beyond and, you know, not get out of those toxic cycles or those toxic relationship cycles. And so I thought that that you know, there would be just so many little golden nuggets that we could learn from you as we go through this. Um, so I'm very excited to dive into it. And I think we'll just dive in with love addiction. What is love addiction? So love addiction is what we call a process addiction. So everybody knows about substance abuse, of course, being <clears throat> addicted or, you know, being an alcoholic. But a process addiction is sort of like a lifestyle addiction. You could call it a soft addiction. It's things like love addiction, it's food addiction, binge eating, sex addiction, addiction to exercise, internet gaming, shopping, debting. It's basically has the same mood altering activities as a substance abuse, but it's a behavior, you know, it's actual behavior. So when you look at love addiction, and this is a divorce podcast, a lot of people who have a breakup they have sort of that withdrawal. That would be one of the signs of love addiction. You have sort of that, 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 oh my God, I, I can't, I can't go through this. I don't want to be alone. I feel so empty inside. So they have that withdrawal. They have, uh, you know, really difficult breakups. Um, they're really longing for that attachment and the pleasurable feelings that that attachment gave them, just like the drug addict, you know, wants their attachment to their drugs or their alcohol. So a lot of the things that will come out of a love addiction will be you over adapt to others you settle for other people, which is thus the toxic relationship. Um, you have very little bound boundaries. You have a, a fear of letting go because being alone is just so scary. Not being married, not being in a relationship. Uh, so it's so scary. Um, you have a fear of the unknown. Um, you're always trying to change people to be what you want them to be instead of who they really are. So you're sort of in love with a fantasy or an illusion and you really need others to feel whole. You're always looking for others for your validation. Everything is external instead of inward. My issue, if we want to get into that later on, is I feared abandonment. I had very, very severe abandonment issues. So we basically give up who we are so we don't lose someone, so that they don't um, go away, so they don't reject us, so they don't abandon us. So that is really what a love addiction is. You know, that's so much of what you just said there. I, I am seeing it in behaviors of former clients friends, family. I mean, I think we see so much of this and it, it makes me wonder, you mentioned that we're often people who are are in relationships um, as love addicts will be trying to change the person that they're in the relationship with because they, you know, they got into a relationship where the person wasn't actually the person they were looking for. But I also think I see patterns of contorting themselves into oh, yeah. what that other person wants. Is that a part of it? Oh yeah. That, and that kind of overlaps with codependency. We try to be what, what they want us to be. We're people pleasers. We lack boundaries. And yes, we turn ourselves into to a pretzel because we want that person to want us. I mean, that's, that's our whole basis of our, uh, you know, state of being is like somebody wanting us, someone not rejecting us, someone validating us, someone giving us attention, someone acknowledging us, because 
you know, we, as we go deeper into the interview, we didn't receive that most likely early on in our lives. We somehow, and I, that's part of my story. So if you were neglected or abused or abandoned or parents were physically or emotionally unavailable to you, or they neglected you, uh, they were alcoholics, addicts themselves, you sort of felt invisible. And so there's no sense of who you are. So you'll be whoever that other person wants you to be because you have no, you have no self uh, identity, self agency. One of the keys to this, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we're talking, but that there's, instead of looking outward at the people that we're attaching ourselves to, the work is going to be the internal work of getting to know ourselves and what our needs are and what we're actually looking for. But juxtaposing that against being alone long enough to figure that out. Yeah, well, it, it's definitely an inward journey, but you know, more important than that, I, I'm a trauma therapist, and it's very important to get to the root of your chi- your childhood trauma in order to really heal. Um, it's one thing to talk to a therapist and you know start to understand who you are, what are your preferences, what do you like, what you don't like, but actually to really release early childhood trauma, you really need to work with someone who will help you heal that trauma, and that's you know that can be through what I do, somatic experiencing can be through tapping, EMDR. In order to really make room for healthy behaviors, healthy relationships, we have to like let go, release and discharge all that energy that's been stuck inside of us. You know, like I have a friend who definitely has significant trauma. She just had a stroke. She came over the other day. And it was really interesting. I kept watching her arm move. Like if you saw me right now, you know, I, I would be showing you an example of a jerking arm. That's energy that wants to come out and wants to be released. And I think some of, you know, even I'll go as far as to say is I think some of her health issues are because she hasn't released that trauma. And I had to do the same thing until I really released that trauma and became more present inside of myself. And really, I I didn't know who I was. I didn't know really what I wanted. I just didn't want to be alone. So um, I just had to emphasize that, that you really need that trauma work. The other thing I want to say, though, is you could come from a normal childhood and still become a love addict or be um, prone to a toxic relationship. There are some times people are very loving, compassionate, understanding. They give people the benefit of the doubt. It's not because they really had any kind of negative childhood, but they just end up being vulnerable to these predators because they're just good people. They're, they're, you know, they may be an empath, you know, so you don't have to just have a negative childhood or a, a neglected childhood to become a love addict or prone to a toxic relationship. But you did, you mentioned um, that you yourself came from, you know, some trauma in your background and and many of my guests who have been on, who are helping people through trauma these days have experienced trauma themselves. Um, And you said your trauma resulted in a fear of abandonment so that it leads you to seek out relationships with other people. Yeah, I was a love addict from the moment I came into this world. My, I was premature. Um, I'm in my early 60s. And in those days, if you were premature, I was two and a half months early. I was in an incubator. I was being fed through my feet. I didn't have the bottle. And I didn't meet my mother for two and a half months. So imagine being a little baby. You're in, you know, and I don't say this for people to feel sorry for me. I just, I mean, it's just my story. And I think when people hear this, I've helped so many people recognize their own early trauma. But you're in an incubator. You're not you're not drinking a bottle. No one's picking you up. They're cha- all they're doing is changing your, your feeding tube and your foot. And you're not, you know, you're not with your mother. And we all know that that early attachment and bonding is that sets us up 
for the rest of our lives. So I really, from the get-go, was always looking like, please nurse, you know, pick me up. Please love me. Please acknowledge me. Please notice me. You know, if that happened, I don't really know. I don't really think it happened the way it needed to from a mother. You know, I have two grandchildren. I see, you know, I was a, I was a mother, a da- I have a daughter. So I know what that looks like. I doubt I got any of that early stuff. I think they did the best they could when they brought me home. But then there were other issues. My mother had to work from early on. So my mother was exhausted and she's working all day. And my dad, she had to work nights. And then my dad is sort of chipping in. I mean, it was just a kind of a shit show for, for being set up for this kind of thing. So I was always wanting, I just didn't like being alone. And I didn't know what it was like. Like, why is it when my parents would go out and my brother's smiling, oh, bye, have a good time. And I'm crying, you know, wow, wow. Well. So that was my early trauma. And some people think it's, you know, oh, no, that can't be. That's, you know, a million years ago. But honestly, we have cell memory. It lives in our body, that trauma. And I really was not a very present person. I was disassociated. So I am so grateful for the trauma work I did. And I'm so grateful for the trauma that I work that I do with my clients. Oh, I can only imagine. But what made you realize that you were addicted, that you were a love addict? Well, originally I thought it was just codependency, but as time went on, I realized it was much bigger than that. Um, Often codependents and love addicts overlap, but you can be a codependent and not be addicted to relationships. You can just be a codependent because you're a people pleaser. You're always saying yes at work. You're always saying yes, you know, with the PTA, if that's even a word anymore, PTA, you're you're never saying no, you know, you're, you know, maybe at your church or synagogue, you're always volunteering, but a love addict is specifically want has to be in a relationship to feel whole. So when I, I I knew there was something different with me, I had been married multiple times. It was after my fourth divorce to an alcoholic. I was obsessed with him. I was obsessed with him. I was obsessed with getting him sober. And that was really, I think where it all, you know, became, I became, there was an awareness like what I, I can't keep doing this. I have got to see what is underneath this. Why am I so afraid to be on my own? And if I don't really deal with this, I'm just going to keep attracting, you know, relationships that are not good for me. So that was probably the wake up moment. And then I took a trauma course and I went, Oh my God, now it all makes sense. You know, and, and I was a therapist. I was a traditional talk therapist. I understood, you know, basic PTSD, But it wasn't until I really took this course on somatic experiencing that I realized, wow, this really does live in our bodies. And um, that is why I, that is how love addiction was born in my case. So with your saying that, you know, your light bulb moment, I can only imagine that there are listeners out there who are having that same moment, right? It's, it's awareness is the beginning of everything. And that's why I like to talk about these things and I appreciate very much your sharing your experience um, because consistently from my listeners, that's what I hear is that when they hear from someone and their own experience, it will help them find that awareness. But so when you realize that you are love addicted, that you are searching for something, how do you start the process of turning inward? Do you find a therapist like you that will work? Yeah. So one of the first things is the awareness. You're so right. That is, that is absolutely the first, the first step. So anybody that's actually listening to this right now, I'm just, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing. Cause now you're, you're, you're becoming aware of this, this thing that's happening. And again, I want to say this, no shame or blame. 
That's really important to me. I have to emphasize that just because, you know, these things have happened to you. You've made mistakes. You maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you've had multiple divorces like me. No shame or blame. There's reasons that you made the choices you did. But yes, one of the first steps is awareness, finding a therapist, making sure you find a therapist that really understands um, early trauma, maybe finding some kind of group. I have a program that um, I'm sure the link will be in the show notes, which helps people that are dealing with love addiction, toxic relationships, and codependency, because there's really nothing more powerful than being with other people that have been through what you've been through. I know that when, when I became a single mom, I joined a single parent group. When I was married to an alcoholic, I joined a 12-step program called Al-Anon so that I could, you know, deal with, or not deal, but I could, you know, I could relate to other people that have been with alcoholics. And, and then when I discovered this new awareness, I went, oh my God. So I joined groups around codependency and love addiction. And then later I created my own because I saw some things that were missing. So yes, finding a 12-step program, finding a therapist that works with trauma. And those are, those are basically the things that I would recommend. Hey listeners, I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the divorceandbeyondpod.com website and click on the Divorce Topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from Sherry Gaba, who's here to help you determine if you are addicted to love and how that might lead you into toxic relationships. We're talking about love addiction is, and same with drug addiction or any addiction, it's the opposite of connection. The first connection starts with yourself. That is what trauma therapy is, is learning how to connect with yourself in the most present way. And then from there, you can be with somebody that's healthy. If you're a love addict, you are craving connection, but the problem is you're craving it from the outside instead of starting from the inside out. If you are enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with financial expert Olivia Summerhill, who shared all you need to know about the role of standard of living in your divorce case. Because it's not just the money. We don't need just the big amount of money to live. We need to understand what our needs are and get to the root causes of what that fear is driving us towards. And we want to address that during the divorce process so the anger doesn't just boil up. And now we return to today's show. I was just thinking through what you were saying, you know, when you said you may have been in a lot of relationships, you may have been divorced several times um, as one of the, I don't know if I'll call it a warning sign, but maybe just a, you know, a hint that there's something to look at, but how, you know, you talk about toxic relationships and then you talk about relationships or maybe there's more neutral relationships. How do you define a toxic relationship? So some of the things you want to look for if you're in a toxic relationship or a love addict, 
uh, is that you, you, you ruminate and obsess about this person all the time. You know, healthy relationships feel safe and secure, but in a toxic relationship, um, you're just you're just constantly overly focused on the outside, and you're focused on this person. Um, you want to spend every minute with them. You obsess about the time when it'll happen again, and like you said earlier, you twist your personality and your values to please them. You make them the center of your universe and the thing that you ruminate about daily. Um, you a toxic relationship would be if you're walking on eggshells. You're wondering, you know, should I have said this? You second guess yourself because remember what I said earlier: if you're codependent or you came from neglect, you don't know who you are, so you're always second guessing. They may do something to you, and you think it's your fault when really it had nothing to do with you. So you're always trying to anticipate what they're going to think or what they're going to do, or what you're trying to avoid their being triggered or a fight. And then you feel guilty for everything. Again, if you don't know who you are and you second guess. When they point the finger at you and they're blaming you for everything, then you feel bad. You take on the responsibility. There's, they never look at their part. A toxic person will never look at their part. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of manipulation and control. Again, if you don't know yourself, you're going to easily be manipulated and controlled. They think they have the right to tell you how to dress, who to spend time with, what to do for a living, you know, when to go to the doctor, what to have for lunch. So they're just completely controlling your life. And you're so afraid of being alone that you're allowing them to control your life. I mean, you both have a part in this, of course. A lot of yelling, a lot of insulting, a lot of criticizing. Um, there can be physical injuries, which then becomes domestic violence. You know, we always say that verbal abuse, emotional abuse is sort of, it's the abuse that you don't see, the scar, but it's there. Yeah. Um, a lot of disrespect. They have no respect for you. You don't respect yourself, so they don't respect you dishonesty, betrayal, a lot of cheating goes on. And then most importantly, a lack of self-care. You start giving up who you are, you know, in terms of what are your preferences? And then you start losing, uh, you know, your desire to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually. So yeah, you kind of give up your self-care habits. So those are, those are signs that you are probably with someone who's toxic. You know, there's, it sounds, I have to tell you, it sounds exhausting um, to be in this relationship with a toxic person because it's, you know, your obsession with that person is exhausting, wondering, you know, uh, what they need, trying to be everything that they need, trying to meet those needs, constantly looking at, you know, did I do the right thing? Should I have done this? Wh why is it that we keep coming back? I mean, it sounds awful, this toxic relationship. And yet people will continue to come back to these relationships. And as you said, continue to get into these relationships. It may not be exactly the same, but a lot of times these patterns will play out over multiple relationships. What keeps us coming back? Well, we want what we know. We want what we, we want to be with who we feel comfortable with. If we're, if we were brought up being abused or neglected or manipulated or controlled, we're going to look for that in our relationships. That's what feels comfortable. If you meet a nice, I'll just use a woman as an example, it can happen to a man. You meet a nice guy, that's boring. That doesn't feel comfortable. There's no challenge. Um, a healthy person, though, wants to be with a nice person. A healthy individual is like, oh, this, this, is, this is the way it should be because you grew up in a healthy environment. If you grew up in an unhealthy environment, this is all you know. This is how you equate love. So again, that's why I keep saying, please don't shame yourself or blame yourself. This is what is comfortable to you. And it's all that you've known. Now, and one thing I wanted to also add is 
toxic people or we overuse the word narcissist, but I'll just throw out narcissistic traits, toxic people. They have the same issue as a love addict. They have abandonment issues too. They just manifest it differently. The love addict needs needs um, attention. Well, so does the, the toxic person, but the love addict needs to be needed. The codependent needs to be needed. The, the uh, to- toxic person or the narcissist needs the attention. You know, they, ha- they have this narcissistic supply need that you give them a lot of attention and that's, you know, that's what feeds them. So they sort of find each other, the toxic person and the love addict codependent. They sort of are a magnet for each other because they both serve the same needs, but their own needs. But underneath, they both fear abandonment. They both have low self-esteem. They both don't have a sense of who they are. Yeah, they're, they're very similar. It just manifests differently. You know, I have to say that that's a very key point I think you make there is that it's kind of like two wounded people finding each other and almost creating a symbiotic relationship where, but not a healthy one. Well, that's what love, that's what um, a trauma bond is. So trauma bond, there, there's three different kinds of trauma bonds. There's the kind that like with my ex-husband, he had had abandonment as a child as well and trauma. So we sort of found each other and we sort of bonded together based on that early trauma. Then you can have a trauma bond where you have neglectful parents and all the siblings become trauma bonded because all they had were each other. A lot of people don't talk about this kind of trauma bond, but the kind of trauma bonds we always hear in the media or on Instagram or whatever is the one with this relationship where you get trauma bonded to this person. And the reason you're trauma bonded is because of the cycle of abuse. So one minute they're gaslighting you, one minute they're giving you attention, one minute they're love bombing you with attention, the next minute they're pulling it away. So you actually get addicted to this cycle and you're always looking for that love bombing stage of uh, giving you, you know, lavishing with gifts and giving you all this attention and telling you how much they love you. And then they go, then the cycle continues into abuse and you're always wanting that early stage. So there's this trauma bond. There's actually an addiction that's formed. And that's really what a trauma bond is. It's actually, is it part of the neurochemistry of that as well? Yeah, you get addicted to the peptides of that abuse. And, you know, it's called um, intermittent reinforcement. That is very toxic. That's very, very, it's very easy to get addicted to intermittent reinforcement. I mean, I I could probably go into some animal studies where, you know, and I'm not going to because I can't, I I just won't. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not a biologist. I'm not a scientist, but I'm, what I'm saying is that when someone just throws you a bone, you just keep wanting that bone and then they take the bone away and you keep wanting that bone again, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's fat. And that's why they can't get out of these relationships. And that's why they keep picking the same types. And that's why I can't emphasize enough. You need a really great trauma therapist. You need to, you need to get into a support group, like my support group to really heal these early wounds. It seems so, you know, difficult. And the reason why we, I think we see people is it seems like part of this must be finding the time and space to be able to work on yourself, which means for a love addict who continues to get into toxic relationships, do they need to cut themselves off from that process in order to start being able to heal and, and, know themselves? Well, I don't like to scare people off and say, well, you need to be alone for a year. Like I'm not that cookie cutter about it. I mean, sometimes love just finds us and might not be the right time, but so I don't like to, but yes, I think you finally have to spend some time getting to know yourself, 
you know, working with a trauma therapist, um, absolutely getting, getting in a, a support group where you're with other people that get you, that you don't feel so alone. You know, they have a saying in some of the 12 step programs, we'll love you till you love yourself. So yes, I think it's, it's really important. I took up outrigger canoeing when I was divorced. I mean, it really gave me a sense of freedom. I made some new friends. I felt confident, you know, being in that boat with other, other paddlers, I, th- I think it's important, um, but I don't like to like scare people off. Oh my God, I'm going to have to break up with him or I have to be alone for a year. Oh my God, I don't want to hear that. I just say, and they say it in the 12 step program, one day at a time, just one day at a time. Right. And so it's not something necessarily that you have to break up with someone that may be a byproduct of getting healthy. Yes, yes, yes. That you might uh, realize that the relationship is not serving you. I think as therapists, sometimes we just get too like black or white about things. And sometimes there is a gray area. So, you know, sometimes people like there's even therapists out there that work with narcissists. So if you're with a narcissist or a toxic person, you might be able to find a therapist that can work with the two of you. It's not likely that he will change, but there are therapists that do this. And sometimes there might be slight changes. So, but, you know, look at your situation. What do I need to do in my situation? so that I can be the best version of myself and live a, a happy life in a, in a healthy relationship. Um, and I think if you're questioning any of that, that, that may be that first niggle of awareness as you're listening to, to this podcast, but I'm also wondering, do you find people getting into relationships if they are a love addict where the person is not necessarily a toxic person, the other person that they get involved with, but they're just not the right person. I mean, because it could be that you just get yourself into relationships where you've contorted yourself into being what that person thought, you know, they needed and and not necessarily because you've attracted another person who has, has trauma issues or, or, you know, that is that possible? I mean, of course Um, they don't have to be necessarily toxic, you know, the definition of toxic, but they're going to be more prone to that because they don't want to be alone. So they're going to settle for the, the scraps, which is what I did. So I was with, you know, people that were unavailable. Maybe they weren't toxic, but they were emotionally unavailable. Um, I definitely, one of my husbands, he definitely was uh, toxic, like just very, very verbally abusive. Um, and then, yeah, then the alcoholic, he wasn't really toxic, but he was an alcoholic. I mean, you're going to, you're going to pick people, uh, that aren't good for you generally, if you're just going to be with them because you're desperate and you don't want to be alone or, you know, and of course a healthy person, if you're, if you're love addicted and you're obsessing over them, they're going to see that. And they're probably going to, you know, say, I I don't need this. I don't need someone being addicted to me here. I don't need someone obsessing over me. I don't want someone who's so needy. So yes, you can, you can pick a multi range, a range of type of individuals, but you're, you're probably going to be prone to toxic people because you you'll settle for less. Well, and I think that's a significant point because it's not that it's you're a bad person or they're a bad person. It's just that there's a level of damage that kind of finds each other in in that moment. Right. What is that saying? We seek uh, water seeks its own level. So we absolutely, you know, find what we are. And then if we do some work on ourselves, we're probably going to attract something much better into our lives. You say that, um, that sentence that your water seeks its own level. I had a law partner way back in my early career 
And I always, you know, I, as a young um, attorney, I had a very like my clients perfect and a hundred percent right. And everything they want is correct. And they're, uh, the other person is very negative. And he always said, you know, Susan, you have to be aware that if there's damage on one side or there's, there's bad behavior or there's something on one side, you're likely going to find that. And he used that exact same phrase for me. And I was just searching my memory for it. And you said it. So clearly, yeah, it's the law of attraction. We attract what we are. Well, that's kind of, you know, your vibe is your tribe. It's the same thing with, if, with relationships, I think one of the things I love about this conversation we're having is it's very easy to talk about. And and in the divorce world, you hear it all the time, right? You're getting divorced, spend some time alone, get to know yourself, look at your role and what went wrong in your last relationship. And then your next one sure to be perfect or your next one, you know, if you do that, but nobody really understands exactly what goes into that mix. And it's so much more complicated than just looking at what went wrong in that relationship, it is that inward turning, right? It's exactly what you're talking about here is you have to actually look at, you know, maybe what your role was, but also where those holes are in yourself that you can start to seek to fill. Right. Well, addiction is, they say, and we're talking about love addiction is, and same with drug addiction or any addiction, it's the opposite of connection. So it's the first connection starts with yourself. That is what trauma therapy is, is learning how to connect with yourself in the most present way, in all the nuanced ways to really be inside your body, embodying yourself. And then from there, you can be with somebody that's healthy, someone that's a match. But if you're a love addict, you are craving connection. But the problem is you're craving it from the outside instead of starting from the inside out. I think calling it love addiction actually helps make it maybe a little more clear. Unfortunately, the word addiction brings a lot of shame and stigma around it. We just did that episode, but people um, don't like the word. Um, They get turned off by it. Oh no, I'm not a love addict. I mean, love addiction is really obsessive love. I mean, in a nutshell. Or maybe is there an element of being in love with being in love? Oh, absolutely. Being in love, being in love with romance being in love with, re, there's relationship addiction, being in, yeah, you know, the only way you feel whole is being in a relationship. I mean, all of those things, romance, relationships, um, and then of course, needing to be needed, validated, acknowledged, and understood in such a way. I mean, we all need those things, but not in a pathological way. Right. Where it becomes a driving force right. in our life. Exactly. Um, but the positive news is that you can heal, you can address these issues. Um, and I assume by changing, making internal changes, as we've just been talking about, the external will come. The re- The healthy relationship will be out there, hopefully, or maybe you find just a healthy relationship with yourself is a great place to start and, and end. If you can be with yourself, you know, addicts are looking for something outside to make them feel good on the inside. So they're, it's, it's an external reward system. If you can have that reward system within and really have a, you know, a great relationship with yourself, you don't need anything on the outside to fulfill you because you fulfill you. Sure. You need connections and so forth, but you don't have to have someone that's someone, if you're looking for them to make you feel whole, to make you feel connected, it's never, it, you're just going to be constantly disappointed because nobody can do that. 
I mean, you can't fill the void of what you didn't get when you were a child by a partner. That that's not a parent. That's not a partner partner relationship. That's a parent partner relationship. You need a partner. You need another whole person, just like you've become a whole connected embodied self. Something as a person who's I've been through my own divorce. I we just did an episode recently um, where we were. I was talking about um, alcohol use and abuse. And my father was a, an alcoholic. And so I've always had some of this um, trauma that you're talking about stemming, you know, feeling like you're not there because your parent wasn't ever really there and present when you're growing up. And my first husband I married was kind of my father. Yes. <laughs> and um, interesting, as you've, you've been talking about this, it makes me very much think about we, we're looking for what we recognize and, and all that. But it wasn't until I did some work on myself and, you know, what happened in, in my life that I was able to then find my current husband who I've now been with for 20 years and oh, wonderful. a very different relationship. So good for you. You did the work and then you found someone great. I waited to do the work and that's, 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 you know, I, I have a relationship right now. It seems very healthy. We'll see. It's very new. You definitely want to do the work or you'll end up being much older, making the same mistakes. You know, but the thing is, when you're a love addict, you don't want the excruciating pain of being alone. So you keep avoiding, 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 but you can't avoid it. It's going to, it's just going to keep following you, but it's never too late. I think that's the point. That's the positive side is that I'm a very happy person today. It's never too late. doesn't matter what age you are. I love that. I mean, it's, it, and it is never too late. I mean, we can always change. We can always you know, work on ourselves. There's always work to be done and there's always a better beyond for us if if that's what we um, are thinking of. And I, I love that we're shining some light on a type of addiction. You know, I've done the shows on alcohol. I've done the shows on drugs, um, but I have not do- had a show on love addiction. And I think in many ways, you know, I, I that show we just did on alcohol, we were talking about how alcoholics are often like, I know I need to stop I'll do it tomorrow. Right. And every day is tomorrow. Love ad- what you just described about love addiction. They don't want to go through. No one wants to go through that excruciating pain of being yeah. alone and out of the relationship, but it's where you heal and where you, you start to make those steps forward. Well, Thank you so much for joining me to talk about this. I know you have that wonderful membership program that you were talking about. You have a special offer for my listeners. Uh, For your listeners, it's called wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1. So it's a dollar trial, wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1. And it's a support group. Uh, We have live group coaching once a month. I have modules, lessons, video lessons, expert interviews. It's for anybody that's really struggling with codependency or love addiction, or they keep attracting toxic relationships. We're, we're just a really great community. Um, in fact, tonight we have our, um, well, this will be aired another time, but tonight we have a group and we're going to be going through what's known as polyvagal theory, which is learning how to regulate your nervous system. When you learn to regulate your nervous system, you can uh, be with yourself because you are in charge of your nervous system. So it's, 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 a, it's more than, it's just more than you can imagine for, you know, the price. So it's like I said, it's a dollar to join and then it goes to 27 a month. Um, and then I also have a quiz for anyone who is questioning whether they're in a toxic relationship or they're a love addict and they can get that, they can take that quiz and get my free ebook, Narcissistic Partners and Obsessive Love. And that's at sherrygaba.com forward slash NP quiz. 
jerrygaba.com forward slash NP quiz. And thank you, Susan, so much for giving me this platform to share my stuff. Oh, I so appreciate it. And we might have to have you back on to be talking about how we can regulate our nervous system. So that sounds very interesting. (laughs) I would love it. Yeah. We'll book another show. So thank you so much for joining us. I will have links to everything um, for all of Sherry's materials and for her um, $1 trial. Sounds like something we could all use um, a little group therapy on. So thank you so much, Sherry, for joining me. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.